Welcome to Girls on Film. I'm Anna Smith and this episode was recorded live at the Evolution Mallorca International Film Festival. I hosted a panel on women in leadership and we talked about how our guests reach their leadership positions, what they love about their work and whether it's possible to have a work-life balance. Here's one of my guests, Nicole Payone. We've been told, I guess, and we've believed that there's only one seat at the table. There's like six men and there's one woman. And so the other women are just like, no, I'm going to get that spot. But now we have to pull each other in. There's not one seat at the table. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I'm going to get that gun of mine, and I'm going to change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. Some people call me a freak. I hate that word. I don't believe in it. Better yet, I don't believe in labels. You know, I think you're the only girl in the world that can stand on a stage with a spotlight in her eye and still see a diamond inside a man's pocket. Because I'm up at five every morning working my ass off. Does someone want to just tell me to my face, you're never going to give me the scores I deserve? Lovely stuff. It is so great to be a part of this festival once again. Um, so a little bit about Girls on Film and myself before I introduce my fabulous guests today. Uh, so I'm Anna Smith. Uh, I host Girls on Film. Uh, as well as hosting this podcast, I'm a film critic in the UK. I've been doing this for 23 years. I write for The Guardian, Time Out, Deadline and other magazines. And you might see me on Sky and BBC TV occasionally. Um, this is my third visit to Evolution Mallorca and I love it. Isn't a lovely atmosphere isn't it great everyone is so friendly oh and thank you all for showing up on a Saturday morning for us as well I really appreciate that it's so good to connect with filmmakers at different stages of their careers uh, and the focus on cinematography feels really important it encourages more female camera people something that we feel passionately about so we're recording this conversation for the Girls on Film podcast uh, and you'll have a chance to ask some questions at the end so you might end up on the pod if you ask a question so Girls on Film is a female-focused podcast, but we welcome our male allies. Thank you for joining us. Um, it is available on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and all major platforms. Um, we're five years old uh, this month, and we have listeners all over the world. Do we have any listeners here? Give us a cheer. Yes, yes, an audible cheer. I see some hands as well. Thank you. Um, we've been... I was going to say we'd been nominated for two awards, but as of yesterday, we've been nominated for three awards. We've just been nominated at the International Women's Podcast Awards, so that feels like a really special one for us, alongside some amazing podcasts, so thank you. So I've got some fabulous guests for you today to discuss their roles in film and to talk about being women in leadership positions. First of all, I'm very pleased to welcome to the stage the producer, Norhan Chikerji Post. Hi, Norhan, welcome. Thank you. It's lovely to have you here. And you told me something about what your name means. Yes. Nurhan means light and Shekharji means sugar maker. So it fits. <laughs> you brought us some sugar today. Thank you very much. Um, so next to the stage, I would love to welcome the director, writer and producer, Nicole Payone. Welcome, Nicole. Do take a seat. Thank you. It's delightful to have you with us. It's delightful to be here. Excellent. And next to the stage, I'm inviting a very eminent person who is head of distribution at IFC Films and also your fiance, Nicole Ooh. Weiss. Nicole Weiss, join us. Thank you so much for being here. I love this. Thank you. <laughs> a couple on stage. This may be the first time we've actually had a couple on Girls on Film. Amazing. Uh, so, finally, a very special person, actress and producer Rosie Fellner. Please join us. Hi, Rosie. Hello. What a panel. I'm really excited to get to grips with everything we're going to talk about today. I'll be asking you to tell the audience more about your work, what brings to Mallorca. I mean, let's start with that, actually, Nohan, in your case, because uh, you're on the jury here, aren't you? Yes. How's that going? And are you finding there are plenty of female directors represented in the, in the films that you're watching? Yes, actually, I'm in the international jury here at the film festival, and we have eight films 
eight very strong films. And um, what I'm, I'm very happy um, of is that Sandra and her team actually chose a lot of female directors and producers on the films. And um, it shows that it's possible, you know, it's uh, the narrative people use on big festivals. is just like just an excuse. So, yeah. It's a really important showcase, isn't yeah. it? I think places like this, and yes, Sandra does a terrific job in that. Yes. Um, so you recently made a film called Rheingold, and before that, In the Fade, and we thought we'd have a look at a, a clip from In the Fade. Shall we have a look? Yes. A clip? Stell dir mal vor, die hätten mich und Rocco erwischt. Nein. Und Nuri hätte überlebt. Nein. Der hätte das ganze Geplänke nicht mitgemacht. Nein! Die werden ihre Strafe kriegen, das schwöre ich dir. Powerful stuff, amazing performance from Diane in that film. I thought it'd be interesting to use that as a springboard for you to briefly explain um, what your particular job as a producer involves, particularly sort of referencing that film. In The Fade, I produced with Fatih Akin, the director, who's also uh, a producer, and um, we founded the company Bombero in 2012 together. And um, I basically, I wasn't the creative producer, I have to say, um, but um, I do the financing and I'm very close to the filmmaker. We do discuss about the script, but it's not that we're, I'm not a, uh, a script writer or anything. So, yeah, it was a really interesting film and a very good journey also with Diane Kruger. She's a very good actress. She's fantastic. Yeah, she's she? very fantastic. Yeah. I mean, she won a lot of prizes for that film. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. She won Best Actress in Cannes at the Cannes Film Festival in 2017, I think. And then mm -hmm. we went on the journey with this film for the Oscar campaign. We didn't obviously go into the last round, but uh, what we did actually, we could win the Golden Globe and she won Best Actress in Cannes. We're going to talk more later about everything that you're doing and how your job works, but I'm now going to move on to Nicole Payone. So, Nicole, you're a director, writer, producer, stand-up comedian as well. So, as you know, I'm relying on you for the funnies today. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you have a film here, of course. Yes. Um, so, would you like to introduce the trailer for The Kill Room and tell people a little bit about it? Of course. Uh, the Kill Room stars Uma Thurman and Samuel Jackson, Maya Hawk and Joe Manganiello. And it's a, an art world caper that we shot in the US, New York, New Jersey, and Miami. And it appears, uh, it comes out on digital November 3rd. Let's have a look at a clip. When you make art from a truthful place, people find out something about you. We're a team, right? Yeah. We need to find a new way to deal with the money. Customer of mine was short of cash, gave me that instead. And what's your? The city. Nate was mentioning you were having a cash problem. Well, my business is no business of yours. Well, not right now, but I think we might be able to help each other out. What am I supposed to paint? You want to make money? Just paint something. All right, I'll paint. Damn, that is ugly. So from now on, there's a contract out. I suggest they buy art. Art? What the frig do you know about art? This classy art gallery run by this young lady will take a reasonable cut for herself and cut us a nice, clean check. My five-year-old makes better paintings. That's the beauty of this, you cretin. This thing that looks like a Smurfwood diarrhea can sell for a million bucks, and the IRS wouldn't bat an eye. What's the artist's name? Bagman. The Bagman. Are you the Bagman? Tell me about the Bagman. I would never say it's a good piece, but it makes me feel dirty. Ooh. An art critic wants to do a piece on Oh, la di da. When I hear no, it makes me want something even more. This thing's supposed to be a front. That means low profile. Why do I even have to tell you this is not good? I knew that money laundering was a crime, but murder? 
I'm sorry, we don't have any work from the Batman available. There's an extremely long wait list of collectors. Everybody wants one. Please, like laundry. Are you really mansplaining money laundering to me? That was the kill room. I love that that ends on a joke about mansplaining. Yeah, there's a lot of it going around these days. (laughs) Well, let's move to Nicole Weiss. Mm -hmm. Now, you're head of distribution at IFC, and you've had many important jobs prior to that working on some amazing films. Can you Mm -hmm. explain a little bit about what you do and maybe pick out a couple of the films that I'm sure people will have heard of? Of course, of course. Um, I'll get back to where I started my career, but I, um, I started at Universal Pictures and Focus Features, which, you know, is worldly known. Um, and then I started working at A24 Films, and which is also very well known. And then I had the most amazing opportunity to be head of theatrical um, distribution and worldwide distribution at IFC Films. And truly one thing that you know, has really pushed me to keep staying in this side of the industry is to be able to work on women-led film and be able to, you know, be hands-on and really amplify their voices. And so, as you stated, I've worked on many films um, to, you know, last year's, you know, Oscar-winning film, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and was able to be a part of such an amazing, um, it was, you know, directed by two men, but to put that story together of the women leads of Michelle Yeoh and Jamie Lee Curtis and getting into really putting that diverse stories into the world and be able to really widen our grasp of, you know, society and women and you know at at the forefront and so that was just such an amazing honor and right now i have a beautiful documentary called the disappearance of share height um it's coming to theaters at um around thanksgiving time in the u.s and it's it's another woman-led story of you know a woman that had to disappear because of putting you know a story out there and talking about women and sexuality and then she was you know had to be pushed away and she ran off to france and so it's a story of really showing of you know how we cannot be silenced anymore that's very important work well said thank you Rosie, welcome once again. You're an actress mm-hmm. and producer and many things, um, and the owner of your own production company, Rosebud Pictures. Can you tell us more about your work? Whew. Uh, it's always a complicated one because I wear so many different hats in the industry, yeah. so I never know which way to go down. But at the moment, I'm mainly producing and acting. And with my production company, I've just completed a feature film called The Uninvited, which is very much a woman's story set in L.A. and about really a woman in the film industry. So it's set over a night in L.A., throwing a party for an Oscar winner and it, the, following this woman's actual relationship with the industry, with her kid, with her husband, with everything falling apart, with trying to hold everything up, with trying to put everything together. So I've just finished that, but I'm going to actually talk about another project here today. Yeah, well, apparently we, we have a clip, a sneak peek of something and the reason, mysterious. And the reason I'm going to do that is because that really explains who I am and what I do in the industry, because it is a fusion, it's a fusion of documentary and drama, it's a fusion of acting and producing, so I felt like that was an appropriate thing to do. Should we have a look at the clip? Sure. Let's do it. The Bond car is, is like a, maybe a painting or something else, part of our life, of our society, and it had uh, made an impact on many people. It's the most famous car in the world, and who am I to own it? And it somehow happened, the car came to me. And it's so much fun to play with it, to bring it out, to show it to children, let them fire the gun, let them fire the smoke, and yeah, it's great fun. You make so many people happy and, and create a smile in the face. So, are you going to invite me to Switzerland? It's a pleasure. When do you come? Oh, um, now. I'm very intrigued. <laughs> um, I bet the audience are. Are you allowed to say any more about it? Or? 
Well, it's a really interesting piece because we've set out on this journey to find this missing car, which is a very, very famous car, and it's missing. And it was, we set out myself as a documentary producer and with the crew and everything. But what we've done is it's really become about the characters looking for the car and their passion and their madness. And, and what I've done as an actress and a producer is, is kind of used myself as a vessel to tell that story. So I've become a character in it that then sort of morphs into ways of, of putting that story across in the style of the story we're telling. So it's become a real genre and a bit of a, am I allowed to swear? Yes, a head go fuck, for it. You know, <laughs> the whole thing, because we're all mixing with reality, we're lying to you, it's very much along the lines of um, F for Fake, the Orson Welles documentary, where we, we create lies, we create our own archive material, we mess with you, basically. But it's, it's really about what's real, what's not, what's myth, what's reality. And it's been really fun having a way to tell that as an actress and a producer and just merging it all together. So it's a, it's a real cauldron of, of mishmash. Well, I look forward to finding out more about that when we're allowed to know. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, so the overall topic today is women in leadership. And obviously, you're all leaders in your own field in many ways. Um, I think, you know, for myself and for the audience, it would be really nice to know from each of you briefly how you got into the business. And, you know, when we talk, perhaps thinking particularly about leadership, but also thinking about gender. You know, I'm not assuming that all women face obstacles when they come into this business. But if you felt that you did, it would be interesting to touch on that. So, Nurhan, do you want to go first? I actually started in the film business 19 years ago as a personal assistant. And actually, I stumbled into the film business. Yeah. I never went to film school. All I did was I wrote theses about Alfred Hitchcock. But I've always been interested in films. But one day, my friend called me up, Fatih Akin, um, and he said, like, I'm doing this music video with this superstar in Turkey. Um, Cezanne Aksu, can you assist me on that thing? And I was like, okay, but what do I have to do? And he said, like, just be like you always are and organize everything, you know, <laughs> because we used to hang out at parties and I brought like always everybody on one table and they got along with each other, you know, and no matter what sort of background they had. And I said, like, okay, and I mean, I didn't have a clue, you know? I mean, I didn't even know. I, I just called everybody who was supposed to do that mu music video and I organized it and basically I produced it, you know? But back in the days, uh, I wasn't aware of credits. And I mean, when you do a music video, uh, who gives a damn about who does what? But um, <laughs> yeah, this is how I started to work with Fatih. And then I, um, I, we just stayed together, you know, I was his PA and I was shadowing him and basically always with him, not so much in the office at the very beginning. So because he was like a director and a producer, that meant like I was with him at festivals, uh, on sets. I was doing the making off camera of his, uh, of, of his film Edge of Heaven which premiered in, in Cannes, and I gained experience, and, and I just climbed up the stair, and then in 2012, suddenly I was the CEO of his company and produced his films. Amazing, congratulations, Thank that's you. fantastic. <laughs> so you've worked incredibly hard, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like everyone yeah. here on stage and <laughs> sitting there probably. <laughs> And Nicole Payne, let's see. I bet your story is interesting. Yeah, what's interesting <laughs> is I got fired from a music video in Turkey <laughs> a long time. No, um, I, I started in, I was working on Wall Street. I thought currency trading was interesting. And from the safety of a stable job, I decided to take acting classes just to sort of, I was very interested in it. And then it blew my mind and I, I remember being 22 and feeling very lucky that like I knew what I wanted to do for the rest of my life and little did I know maybe 12 to 20 years later I would finally admit to myself that I wanted to be a director so it was in 1996 that 
I, I went out to a bar, a friend of mine was like, come out, I, my friend is acting in an NBC comedy show. And I, I went out to meet him and he was like this Jersey guy. And he was like, you wanna be in show business, kid? Be at NBC tomorrow at 10 a.m. And at 9.59, I was there with a cup of coffee and I got a PA job. And honestly, I just kind of figured it out and took the steps and, and moved to Los Angeles just to get my SAG card. But I got a part in a film and I joined the Groundlings Comedy School. And then I worked with Will Ferrell and Adam McKay at Funny or Die. And then at Funny or Die, the director couldn't show up. It was for a Hillary Clinton uh, campaign video. And they were like, Nicole, you have to direct. And my stomach dropped and I, I, I you know, was getting the sweats. And, and I, after I did it, I was like, that's what directing is? Like, I've been a director my whole life. <laughs> Every acting job, I could see myself like looking at all the, you know, the cameras and why are they doing that? And why are they figuring? And then on, on screen, I'd see myself like, thinking and I was really just more suited for behind the camera. I'm pretty good at acting too. So if there's anybody hiring, you know, don't 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 overlook me. But it it's just figuring out what what part of the business you can be in and and I think the experience acting and doing comedy and whatnot when I was directing, I was very thankful for that. That's so fascinating that you kind of, how you discovered what you were meant to do, both of you, actually. That's really, really interesting. And I'd love to hear, Nicole, your story on this front. Of course. Um, you know, I, I would say that not every person wakes up and goes, you know, I want to be, you know, in theatrical distribution. <laughs> so I can just tell you I could start the story there. Basically, you know, pretty similar to all of them, I stumbled in it. And I pretty much, you know, was doing, you know, the safe job and I was miserable. Of course, it was, it was, I, I was actually doing very well. I was succeeding in what everyone else thought was succeeding, but internally I felt empty. And so I you know, I was like, I need to figure it out. I, I was, I didn't go to film school as well. And I'm nothing against film school. I'm just saying there's different paths, right? And so I was like, I love film. Back in the day, Blockbuster in the United States was like where I hung out. Really cool. I was really cool. So the cinemas, you know, that's where I went and that's where I played. And that's where I like was able, I grew up in Dallas, Texas. It's very, um, not a lot happened. And so I, I was able to escape during those periods of times in film. And so I was like, that's, that's where I want to go. So I got a entry level job at Universal Pictures. I know I did hit the jackpot there, but the thing is I took a risk. You know, I stepped out of my comfort zone. I didn't come from a family that is in the arts. And so of course they were like, ooh, we don't know what you're doing. It's very, you know, left wing, you know, like very LA, like they were so, and I was like, I'm, you know, at this point, you know, I was like, I'm not asking for your advice or, <laughs> you know, but thank you. And I took the chance and, you know, I, I, I slowly built my career at Universal Pictures. And even at that point, I was like, I want more. And so I went and got my master's in business. And then uh, I was like, I want more. And then so I was like, I want to learn more. I want to learn more. And all the places I've been, everyone's just been like, just you know, chill, do the work, and in 20, 30 years, you will be running this place. And I was like, not soon enough. And I never saw anyone around me that was like me and in a, in a similar way, and that was always very discouraging until I realized I will be the change. So that really started to, to light me up. Definitely in something like distribution, which again, you may not know that many people in it, um, and there's only a few of us. So yeah, so I left Universal Pictures and took another chance at a smaller studio, A24, and that's before most of their awards, and got to really build something so beautiful with A24. And then when they were like, hey, you wanna be the head of theatrical distribution? I was like, you know, I'm one of other, you know, two other women who's head of theatrical distribution, you know, for a major studio. And it was like, yes, this is what I've been working for. Be the change, be that person. So here I am. So it's, it's, such, a, it's such a blessing, but it just, it, it starts inside of you to have that confidence. That's so inspiring, thank you. And it's great to have distribution represented here. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah. On a personal note, I'd love to know how you met Nicole and Nicole. Would you mind telling me? <laughs> <laughs> we met on Bumble 
I was swiping during the pandemic, June of 2020. So I was like, let's just see what the gals are up to. Nobody's going anywhere. And I had just said to a friend of mine, I got to find me a girl from Texas. <laughs> and literally two days later, I'm swiping and I see film sales, a Texan in LA in film sales. And I was like, jackpot. <laughs> and I, I'm the jackpot, Sarah. And I'll go, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's pretty amazing because we, we like, the, the thing is, is like, it's, it's so beautiful. Like I work with, you know, ladies like this and on this side, but like we, we do different things. So, you know, it's, it's amazing to be able to hear what she's doing and advice in the same, the same way. So we get to see both sides. Though. She makes me really keep like my studio accountable with the theatrical distribution because I'm like, how many cities is this a, uh, you know, day and date. And I have all the terms that she has filled me in on. And so great. Kind uh, of helpful. Yeah. They can't, they well, can't put one over on I'm, me. I'm, I'm here for anyone if they, they need any help. <laughs> well, am I allowed to butt in? Please. Yes, it's actually a really interesting part because of the, of the whole mm -hmm. journey of a film because as a filmmaker personally, it's the part I know the least about. And it's also, I, I create content, I make a movie, mm -hmm. you start, you go through all that and then you make it and you've kind of got to like hand it over to yeah. a sales agent. Yeah. And then what the sales agent do with the distributors is like behind closed doors. And I feel like I have no knowledge of that. Mm -hmm. And it's my baby that I put everything into. And it's really interesting. And it's definitely for me a part that I think would be so helpful to kind of educate Mm -hmm. producers on, uh, creative producers or producers that are on the ground or more. Maybe it's just my ignorance and I really just haven't got there yet, but no. it feels like a, an area that's just unknown. I, I would love to say that it's like just coincidence, but it's not. I feel like there's been, it's, you know, it's something that we've struggled with and spoke with about is that once you make the film and everything like that, the distributors, your studios, um, you know, no one's going to cut me off on that so I can speak. Um, but I might. <laughs> they, they enjoy that you don't know. So then they can take the film and do what they want with it. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> but it is true. And so that's why it's so important. And I constantly, you know, say this to filmmakers and things. You need to it, just like the process of who you were producing with and working with, that's the same thing in the, you know, the studio and the distributors. Make sure it's someone you trust that's going to take your film and allow you to be a part of the process or at least listen to you because mm -hmm. if not, some major studios, they go, thank you, and you are staying over there in your lane and we're going to do whatever we want with your film. So I, I do feel like it's, it's, what's wonderful is there's more women now mm -hmm. in this side of the industry that I believe we're here to welcome you in mm -hmm. and we're more, you know, I would can speak for IFC, but we're here to work with you and not, you know, you stay, we stay in your seat and we'll mm. take it from here. Yeah. I hear her on the phone with filmmakers and I'm like, Oh, you talk. Yeah. She's like, well, we can do this. And so it's helped me a lot. It also depends on who you're working with. Some people, they're just like, yeah, we, we got this. We, 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 you know, they don't want you to be involved, but, I always sort of try to push my funnier die background because that's like some of the things we did at funnier die was promote movies and do like shorts. And so that marketing process is vital to a movie's success. And you're the filmmaker has made it now granted the filmmaker, there is a level of letting go and mm -hmm. letting other people who market films and mm -hmm. do things and you know, they, they know that side of it. And so there's a trust that needs to be had, but I feel like coming together, it's a giant team as opposed to separate units. Like we really all mm -hmm. want the same thing. Mm -hmm. And that's the success of the film. I actually have to uh, add something to that because you said that you didn't make that experience to sort of collaborate. We collaborate a lot with the distributors, you know, like um, we worked with independent distributors, but we also worked with Warner Brothers in Germany. And the thing is, I mean, who the filmmaker or the producer knows the, the product at the mm -hmm. best, you know? I mean, when, when we start working on a film, we have a vision and we, we are thinking already about the people who are actually going to watch the movie. So to collaborate with each other, to at least talk to each other, what we did on our last film is because it was a film about a, a rap artist 
is that we talk to him, that we're thinking of a marketing strategy with him. How, where could they help us? Where, where could we push the distributor to actually do something which they might have not thought about it, you know, or, or convince them? And I think that's always very important um, to collaborate, to mm -hmm. embrace each other. Now, Rosie, I'm going to come to you because we're Great going to talk choice. about how you got into the business. I mean, I could talk about distribution all day. I think yeah. this is actually really, really interesting. But I'm aware that we haven't heard about your journey into film. Um, how I got into film. Okay, I, uh, I started out acting. I went to drama school. thought I was going to save the world through doing that. <laughs> and acted very happily for many years. And then I was always kind of always producing a little bit on the side, and as it's kind of the nature of who I am. You know, films were being made on my kitchen table, and I was always, I was always very much part of making movies, but didn't really accept the producer's hat really firmly, although I'd produced a couple of films, until I had a child. And then, really, I couldn't drop everything at the last moment and jump on a plane to Prague and, and be on set tomorrow, and it was just not physically possible, which is you know, very, a, a, a sticking point for me as a woman, because, you know, my partner's an actor and he can. Mm. You know, and there's a bigger conversation. He, he's a lot more established, he earns a, a lot more money, and so that's an obvious choice to allow him to, for him to do that. But it did mean that I had to do something that meant I knew where I was going to be and I'd be at home, and that naturally for me was producing. And I'm a storyteller, and basically whether I'm producing, acting, writing, directing... I'm telling a story, so it was my passion. So really, though, that made me really knuckle down as a producer and, and get the last two films happening. <laughs> was because yeah. I couldn't travel. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, that's so interesting, isn't it? I mean, the, the motherhood thing comes up quite a lot, obviously, on Girls on Film when we talk to women about their careers, and often they, yeah, especially if your partner's also in the business, that, yeah, you feel like you're just kind of, Standing still. Well, it, there's another part to it as well. As an actor, you're not in control of anything. You know, you're, you turn up last, you, you get in a car, you, you put a dress over your head, you, somebody puts makeup on you, you're thrown out, then you do your lines. You know, but bringing something else, like a child, into the element, you can't. Whereas producing, I can bring my kid along. I can, I can make it work. You know, I can, I'm in control of it. Mm. So, so it's easier. This does lead me to my next question, which is, is film in some ways still a man's world. We were at another stage uh, before, because that's mm -hmm. actually something which I did research on. Um, th there's a, an American university who, uh, they took like 26,000 uh, films, uh, genre films, and they, uh, they said like between 1910 and 20 or something like that, there were more female filmmakers yep. mm -hmm. than, than nowadays. And then when the studios came up and everything, uh, how do you say, danced down, um, then it was up to five studios. And it was the man who sort of uh, said like, okay, um, we're just taking male directors, but it was the other way around. And then uh, after the 30s, it came down to zero, you know, so... Mm. Once it became about the money, that's... Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They've we, been better in, uh, in... I mean, I think what they did better or is because they are in, they, they've been moving in groups, you know? They can... And that's what we have to do, too, you know? Yes, we have absolutely. To, they stick together. They stick together. And they together. pull each other in. Yes. And, and we right. women, I think, uh, that we've been told, I guess, and we've believed that there's only one seat at the table. There's like six men and there's one woman. And so the other women are just like, no, I'm going to get that spot. But now we have to pull each other in. There's not one seat at the table. Exactly. Totally agree. That's one of the reasons we launched Girls yeah. on Film. So well said. I'd love to hear from anyone who wants to speak up about how you do personally support other women in the industry, whether you're mentoring or, as you're saying, working on female-directed projects and obviously directing yourself. But yeah, anyone like to speak to that? To the volunteers I yelled at, female volunteers that I yelled at yesterday, I was like, you do not quit. You keep going. It's step by step. I don't want to hear you giving up. I was like a, a, a football coach yesterday in the lobby because I'm so passionate about, like, like Nicole, I was going to say, when, when she said to her family, like, I got this, like, that's a key moment because your friends and your family, the people around you, affect you and the way you think like I had a I was dating a, a guy and he was a director and he would go what 
when I first started out, what do you think of the shot? And I'd go, ooh, it's a little, like, can we pull back a little? And you'd be like, oh, that's what it's supposed to be in an NYU. And, and so <laughs> I was like, oh, I guess I don't have an opinion here. And they were just like, no, 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 you should, you should be the actress. And, and I, you don't realize the subtle ways in which they affect your thinking. I mean, they affected my thinking, not, mm -hmm. not, not hers, but you know, it's, it's, um, you have to be aware of that. I think that's a really good point because it, it is what we limit ourselves to. Mm -hmm. And it's often not something that's sort of projected obviously onto you by men at all. And, and right. most men I've worked with are very gracious and very giving and very supportive, Absolutely. but it's more a, a sort of a deep educational way of how we perceive ourselves and being able to confidently put yourself forward into those same roles. I mean, as an mm -hmm. actress, when I started out, every script I read had 20 guys and one girl. Mm -hmm. right. So that was just, that's just from the acting point of view, there's always, there's, you're, you're up, and that, put, that puts you in a competition situation with all the other girls to be that, that girl in the room that's entertaining all the guys as well. So that's, that's you know, doing that and then from producing, again, I mean, there's a lot of really powerful, strong, brilliant women now in every role. So, but it's really how we, how we see ourselves, I think. And I think that's something that we need to re-educate. And I find myself, you know, you say, do you mentor in that? I find myself with a lot of the young girls that come and work with me now, becoming a little bit of a, a sort of, what's the word for that? Uh, you know, going, no, you've got to think like this, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. And they, oh, they yeah. do look at me a bit yeah. like, eh? Because it's not, it, you know, I wish somebody had told me what was possible. I yes. wish I'd had a mentor. Yes. But maybe mentors aren't as needed now because things have changed. So, I think I don't, I don't, no, 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 I don't agree on that. Yeah. I think it's very important to have mentors. I know that I didn't have a mentor either, but it would have helped me to be more mm -hmm. easier and be more, um, how can I put it, to smile over things, you know? But instead, mm -hmm. I went like, this motherfucker said business to me, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, and I can't believe it, and I don't know how I'm going to put up with this, you know? And, um, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, but if you, have, uh, if, if you have somebody who lived that through too, she might say, or he might say, ah, come on, you know, next time you just be uh, more charming and say like that it's bullshit what that person is saying or whatever. But uh, yeah, I think it's very important. And the thing is, you know, um, I met someone last week at a producer's conference and this was a guy and he came up to me and he said like, do you remember me? And I said like, I think so, but I'm not sure. And he said like, you took me somewhere one night with other filmmakers and you just because I told you that I want to become a filmmaker and you just took me there with all these other famous people and uh, you made me feel so well and welcome and you gave me so many good advices that evening and um, it was, I was just so happy to be there with you girls and guys and, um, I, and, and, and I did what you said and I thought like, ah, oh, okay, it's, you know, it's important. It's just not happening to everybody like that. Right. Yeah, that's congratulations for that. I mean, I think that's what this festival's about, what Girls on Film is about, is just being inclusive and opening the doors and, yeah, encouraging people. Mm -hmm. just, being, just being nice people, right? I know it yeah. sounds really simple, yeah, yes. but because that's not always the case in it the film simple. industry, is it? It really <laughs> helps. It is. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, I, our audience, I'm sure, do have some questions, but you're talking about advice. I'd love, you know, before we cut to the audience, to hear advice. Now, this is a tricky one, right? But on, on balancing life and work, or are you going to say to me, I don't have a life, my life is my work? <laughs> Does anyone want to speak to that? <laughs> I mean, I, I can start. I think um, the lines are blurred. Um, you know, I don't have a child, so that's one thing that, you know, currently, you know, I, I would say, well, I don't have an excuse, but like, you know, I just recently started at IFC as the head of theatrical distribution, and there's no hour, there's no, not enough hours in the day for me to like, I'm constantly going, I should be doing this, I should be doing this. And it's very hard to just go stop. You got it, you know, but I, I, I hold myself to a standard and I want the best and, and, you know, really build something very special, but it's those boundaries. It's just, and I'm, I'm lucky enough that I have boundaries already, you know, 
in me. So I just turn off. I, you know, I, I I'm someone that's very active. I look, go and work out. That's my like my Zen time and spend time with my fiance. Um, but truthfully, it's it, it, it it's a blurred line. It's definitely when you love what you do. You know, it's you know I'm working all throughout the day and then I need to watch three films and you know and so it is it, it's a beautiful thing when you love what you do. But the boundaries, I mean, that's something that you really have to work inside of yourself of you know, of where, where you need to draw the line and what is best for you um, and for yourself, because it's all different, you know, truly yeah. for all of us. Yeah, basically sexy time for us is, tell me about your theatrical distribution. <laughs> <laughs> I, I truly tell everyone, I was like, do, like I do Are the sexiest job. <laughs> I, I'm like, I, that's usually how I start. I'm like, you want to be in something sexy? Theatrical distribution. What's your marketing yeah. budget? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, um, boundaries. I have none. I, I have no boundaries. Um, I think when you do these jobs, it is you go into it because you love it, and that, so it's all, all blurred. And for me, it's, it's sneaking the hours in the, in the day and the constant feeling of guilt when you're guilt that you're not working enough and then guilt that you're working too much and mm -hmm. guilt that you're not spending it with your kid and it's just, it's just a big guilt trip really <laughs> i don't actually want boundaries mm. i love what, so i agree i feel yeah. the same way to be here like i there was something about like i love to travel but there was something that wasn't quite right with just yes. traveling to a place and visiting as like a tourist so to be here in mallorca with a film that I directed with my fiance on the panel with her, like it's a true dream. Exactly. It, yeah. It took maybe 25, 30 years, but <laughs> so what? Like women, I, I feel like this idea that women are in their prime in their twenties and thirties is like, that's just for making babies and that's wonderful. But I'm 52 years old and this is like the best I've ever been. Yay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> there's no time like time is time is what you make of it you're so right i traveled here yesterday with my four-year-old um to the hotel room and we had such a good time and i feel so blessed and i mm -hmm. thought oh my god i'm here Traveling with my little partner, mm -hmm. doing exactly what I want to do, meeting the people that I aspire to work with and spend my time with. So, you know, boundaries, boundaries. I yeah, and I think say. by you living your life in your truest form and self, yeah. you're showing your daughter such an incredible lesson of mommy is passionate and mommy is doing what mommy loves i don't know if she calls you mommy but um, <laughs> you, you know what i mean like the lesson in that is so important i was thinking about just that this morning because i was thinking about our festival director sandra yes. who who does the same yeah amazing woman and and her team yes and, and her, her team. team but specifically about her because of the, she has a daughter and i was i was thinking yeah. the same thing and how she watches her doing this and i think that's the payoff that we get for the guild <laughs> is they're yeah. seeing that hopefully we're inspiring them to follow their dreams and, and work hard too. And I just echo that like um, I feel like one thing is like an advice and like you know as women like you know people are watching you you know and definitely when you're in leadership roles other women are watching you other girls and you know we lead by example right so um, in everything I do I, I try to live with joy humor and like you know mm -hmm. in, in purpose and so when I say something I want it to mean something and so I feel like people around you just get inspired with that energy you know mm -hmm. um, anywhere that you know I'm, I'm lucky enough to have worked with so many beautiful people but they're just like you know, we miss your energy when you're away. And I'm like, that's what we need to bring. And people around us, they're watching. And, and lead by example. 
Nohan, over to you and boundaries and loving your job. <laughs> I do love my job a lot. I always did. <laughs> I did do, I mean, at the very beginning, uh, you also said that you've been personal assistants. Um, I mean, you know, then you have to work over hours. I mean, there's nothing like, okay, six o'clock, seven o'clock, that's done. And then I've been also friends with that person. So that meant I'm working from Monday to Sunday and I'm getting calls in the evening. But the thing is, I, I loved it, you know, and uh, and... At some stage, you can say, okay, that's now enough for me. And then you can lean back and relax about it, you know. But it's what I, what I always say to young producers. I say, like, hey, everything you can learn right now is going to be worth so much for the future. So don't be too harsh on yourself. And if something doesn't feel very well, you know, then say it and then talk about it because people can understand you and that, that there are ways where you can solve things you know if you don't feel well that you get a phone call at on, on a saturday then discuss about it and ask yourself and the person who did it if that is really necessary you know and uh, and i think that's how you can sort of start to balance things out But I had to learn it myself too. I wasn't very good with that at the very beginning either. I think we all figure it out as we go along, don't we? Yeah. But I'm to be sitting here on a weekend with all you and this is actually work. <laughs> this is amazing. I love it. Um, let's turn to the audience. I think there are some hands there. I'm just going to pass my microphone on to somebody. Um, hello, hello. Uh, I have a question about the, the robots that are coming. I would love your perspectives on just the, you know, the AI wave that is hitting us, to what degree, like in, from your each individual perspectives, where do we collaborate? Where do we fight against? Where do we em, like embrace what could be a great tool? How secure are our futures? <laughs> I would love all of your thoughts there. I feel um, it, AI is very dangerous in terms of actors and what we want them to do and the humanity of it. I, I think actors need to protect themselves in terms of AI, hands down. And I think there's some things that are going on that right now with the SAG strike, that's that's a hard line in the sand. Mm -hmm. And and so I think that's something to fight for. I think in terms of writing, there's no way in my mind right now in 2023 that a, a computer will be able to write a script as well, it's it's copying, it's plagiarism. It's not like, I can say, take Quentin Tarantino and write this in the style of Quentin Tarantino, but I don't know how that would be, is legal, and I hope that they fight against it. In terms of production and screens and, and scheduling, yes, absolutely. We all want to get to the creative stuff anyway, I think, but um, in terms of writing and acting, I think it's it's very vital to draw a line in the sand. Yeah, I think that's very well said. I totally agree with everything you say. And I think on top of that, I think what we'll learn is a way of using it to our advantage as creatives. And, and that can be really helpful. Um, I don't know if you've ever tried to ask uh, uh, ChatGBT to write a script. They, they you know... It's not a personal experience, which is right. what a script is. It's a, yeah. an experience and a story. And they can format it and give you something really basic. And maybe that's what it's going to be used for, is a formatting tool or that kind of thing. For content. But yeah. we want to make films. We want to be filmmakers, not content makers. I think it just becomes dangerous, too, because there's a lot of content already out there and, you know, this content isn't good content and you know you know someone I'm an advocate for the theater going experience and if you're not putting good movies in theaters you know people aren't going to come and it's just too much content um, out there so I feel like it, there has to be a human element I mean that's what we're all drawn to and if we take that away I feel like we're, we're going to lose the, the reason of cinema and content and yeah, yeah, yeah. well said yeah. thank you very much um, next question please well, thank you all very much um, for your time. Um, I am a producer myself, not very young, but um, I had two questions. First is, we hear a lot about the successes, but maybe you can, uh, talk, yeah, good one. <laughs> you can talk about the, the, the projects that never took off, the failures perhaps, the frustrating moments, because I think it's important to 
know that you don't just get there. Mm -hmm. um, and also my second question is how do you choose your projects? Do you get an inkling of what project is worth pursuing? Um, yeah, that's it, thank you. I, I'll start. <laughs> um, when I choose a project, it's, I make that decision with the filmmaker, with Fatih Akin, with whom I have the company with. But um, we did have projects which we didn't realize because we noticed that it's very hard to finance or um, distributors or TV stations told us that it's uh, not the time for it, you know, and that's very frustrating. Or we tried to, uh, we did option two novels and um, actually then decided to have other directors on it. And then we worked on it and then it was the same. So it's frustrating when somebody tells you that it's you, that you can't finance it. And then what can you do, you know? I mean, either you have to drop the price and just do it, but at the end of the day in Germany, you need, in order to uh, um, get a fund, you need a TV station or a distributor, you know? So then it's not working out. And that's very frustrating, yes. And I can say on that side, as a distributor, we're watching, you know, and we're watching and reading, and there are projects that I'm so passionate about, and then, you know, they go, well, we can't sell this, you know, internally. They're like, well, we can't sell this, or we can't make money off of this. And then you go, what is this? This is just about making money. Mm -hmm. And that, that's where it, it, it hits the morality of you. It's like, I, but I want to tell stories. I want to tell these beautiful stories. And they're like, no one's going to go see this, or it's not going to make us money. And that is also like, it's such a pit in your stomach because, you know, like, you know, like you said, like one thing why I'm here, I feel like I'm making, you know, a big difference in changing the world. And when you're unable to do that, it's, it's heartbreaking. It, it truly is heartbreaking. Um, but I think me. it's important that you just then move on, you know, and then just just do something else. But you know, sometimes you just do it, you know, just find a crowd of people. If you can't convince somebody, then you just try to do it uh, with small money and mm -hmm. or crowdfunding or, you know, and then once you've done it, maybe maybe you do not the whole film, but you do a trailer to your film of mm -hmm. your idea. And then you show it and then, you know, if you're lucky, it might not happen in the first year, you know. I mean, Fatih always told me the story. It took him, I think, ages to find his producers, you know, and look at him now or look where I am at. If he would have been not there, I would have been not sitting here, you know. But um, somebody once told me that if, you're, if, you're, if you've got a story you're passionate about and, and you bring it around and, and you're told by all the networks, it's not the right time, this is not what's in at the moment, this isn't what we're buying, that is the time to continue and pursue it because it takes so long to get a project going yeah. that by the time you're ready and the project's ready, they'll be able to come back round. Mm -hmm. So I really think if, if you love a story and you believe it's commercial, because it does have to be, it has to be a, a story that you want to tell, but it also does, it is called the film business. It, yes. You know, we do have to get paid, we do have to live, and it, more than that, it has to be something that means that you all want to watch, that we all want to watch. Mm -hmm. So. I've spent many years, you know, telling stories that nobody wanted to watch. And I, I think I've learned the hard way that, yes, find something you're in love with and a story you really want to tell, but that is commercial, that you can sell, that, mm -hmm. that people are going to come and buy a ticket to. And I will say this. So my first movie, uh, I made it with a, a studio and I had a few like PSAs and shorts that I had directed, but there is a real benefit to making something independently because you get to hold on to your voice and you get to put your voice out there and you can shape it in the, like we need you and your voice, not anyone else's. And so for me, when I made my first movie with a studio, the, their notes were, I was like, are, are they kidding? Like two weeks to go in pre-production, they were like, make it a rom-com. I'm like, <laughs> that, that what? And so the, once you get to a certain level, you don't have a lot of wiggle room. And so you really wanna put your specific voice out there. And if it's a short, it's a short. If it's two minutes, it's two minutes. As long as it's your voice, that to me is the most important thing. Thank you for that question. We've got time for one, maybe two more. Hello. Um, sort of riffing off that idea of frustration, I had a question for NP. I haven't seen your film yet, but I'm looking forward to see it tonight. But um, 
I noticed that in the credit list of your film, there was like a long, lengthy list of executive producers and producers. And I wanted to know if you could speak to that. Um, how, what was it like for you navigating so many voices? Did you ever feel like you were losing creative control? And as a woman, did they sort of feel it was easier to steamroll you than if you were a man? Mm. Do we have another hour to talk? Exactly about five minutes. So I think the lesson for me in the kill room is, so I received the script in 2019 from a writer, a friend of mine, somebody who I worked on Wall Street in like 1994. And he sent me the script and I loved it. I developed it for two years and we were attached to a production company and they weren't really doing anything. You know, they were just kind of, we would go, hey, can we, can we make offers? Can we send it out to, they were, they were kind of just ignoring us. And he was like, can you produce this? And I was like, Ab absolutely, let me, let me get involved on, on that end. And so I started calling manager friends and whatnot. And I, I, I attached Uma Thurman myself. And, and then Uma and I had a chat and she was like, is Sam Jackson an option? I was like, of course he's an option. <laughs> Don't be silly, Uma. And so what I ended up doing was developing attaching the stars and then our producers started to take notice and every day we would see on imdb five more producers coming in and and then when the movie came out there were articles about these these dudes who created the kill room and i was like in atlanta i've never seen this human who is this human and and so we ended up with 37 producers whoa mm -hmm. And not many came to set, and that's fine if if they're a lot of them are financial. That's what we need to do. But some of them were like, as a director, you have to realize there are a lot of people on set that want to be in your chair. And so I found myself uh, with one particular producer who wanted to be in my chair, and he was like, "The rhythm of the scene is cut wrong. It's 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 not right, and 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 it, the rhythm's off." And I was like, "Whose rhythm?" you're thinking of your rhythm, sir. It's my rhythm. It's what I want and the way I like it. And so I had to not react. I had to not get upset. This movie, making this movie with 37 male producers, wow. I had to just put blinders on and go, I developed this. I attached the stars. I'm directing this. Everybody just leave me the F alone. Now, I'll listen to, I, of course I listen to notes. I, I'm not, filmmaking is such a collaborative process, but the best thing you could do as a director is choose your cast and also choose your producers. Because I had two weeks left to go in pre-production and I was like, I'm being thrown to the wolves. I have nobody here to support me in a producerial level. And it's my, only my second feature. And so I brought in producers to help me and um, they dealt with all the other 36. And so it was, it was a challenge um, in, in a lot of ways. Well, congratulations on everything you did. Well, <laughs> yeah. wow. wow, thank you. I think one more question we have time for? Hello, thank you I... so much, all of you. It's a great panel. Thank you um, for being here. Thank you. Uh, Rosie, it was interesting, when you were talking about uh, going out for a movie and there was like, two women characters and all the men, that made me think of Hamlet, maybe because you're British. But, you know, Ophelia and Gertrude and 40 men, so in around 1600. So to think how baked in that was for so long, to think where we are now is really important. And those women were played by men. <laughs> oh, yeah, so there's that. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> but um, I, I want to thank all of you and congratulate you on all your achievements in the business. And... As a man in the industry, you women are inspiring me. So I want to thank you for that. Oh, thank, thank you, you. so much. So my question is for Nicole Weiss. Um, so you were at A24. I was wondering if you could just tell us some of stories or highlights of A24 for you. <laughs> A24 is very interesting. It's, they're beautiful in a way of that they go, you know, um, if, you, if you ever read an article, it says A24 says. Um, so I can speak from an outsider in regards to it. 
and what mostly everyone sees. I joined the company at such an amazing pivotal time in 2018, and um, you know they do an amazing job as they 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 champion um, you know specialty directors and you know the Greta Gerwig's before she she was in Bar you know she did Lady Bird there and then did Barbie, um, and so they're a a company that really celebrates women directors and foreign films and you know and then really elevates these and allow these directors and filmmakers and actors to be able to tell their stories that are all international and um that are you know so many women films that you know A24 has done my favorite films like this past year Past Lives I don't know if it made it here to Spain but Celine Song first directorial debut and it's just a beautiful, you know, English and Korean film, and um, and working there and being able to learn under such, you know, auteurs, and they're really groundbreaking in what they're doing, and they're really pushing cinema to the next level. And it was a masterclass, and I truly enjoyed, you know, every five years of of, of my time there, really like you know, absorbing that, and then getting the opportunity to go somewhere else and being like. I'm excited to do the same in in a different way. So it, it was truly a pleasure um, to be able to be around um, such inspiration. Well, thank you for that. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you, everyone in the audience, for your questions. Those are all the questions we have time for, sadly. But you can hear more on the Girls on Film podcast. And we'll hopefully see you around the rest of the festival. May I thank my wonderful panelists today. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Thank you. Incredible, inspiring women. Honestly, I've absolutely loved it. Thank you for listening to me, Anna Smith. Thank you so much to this festival for having us. Thank you to Sandra, to Vika, to Jeremy, to everyone. Big thanks to Evolution Mallorca. And a special thank you to Girls on Film's executive producer, Hedda Archbold here, Woo! who works incredibly hard. Thank you so much. And um, thank you all for joining Girls on Film today. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Girls on Film, recorded live in front of an audience at the Evolution Mallorca International Film Festival. I'm Anna Smith and Girls on Film is an HLA production produced by executive producer Hedda Archbold. Audio editing was by Nick Wussell with thanks to our intern Charlotte Matheson. This episode is in partnership with Involution Mallorca International Film Festival with special thanks to founder and director Sandra Sealing and festival locations manager and assistant festival coordinator Vika Duran. If you like what you heard, please do follow Girls on Film. Like us, subscribe and please write a review as it really helps. We will be back, I'm happy to say, very soon. I'm not used to being told now.